opening text to kind of set the tone for where we're going to be going this morning is Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 through 9. And the writer of Hebrews is closing off uh, his letter with these final exhortations. And he says this, remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you. As you carefully observe the outcome of their lives, imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Don't be led astray by various kinds of strange teachings. For it is good for the heart to be established by grace and not by food regulations since those who observe them have not benefited. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Mike. Well, I don't believe you lose connection. (laughs) Just give me a thumbs up when you're set. Is the board not connecting or is this, this is a new pack. Is it just not getting a signal? It's the board. Okay. Well, this is good. I was going to go short anyway. So. <laughs> Am I set? Am I there? I'm there? You hear me? Okay, awesome. Uh, again, thanks, Mike. Uh, I don't know if you guys, it's funny, Mike says he's a staff pastor here. And while it's true, he's also um, the driving force that God uses in leadership here. And um, no, I'm convinced no other young pastor in my position anywhere that I've ever been, especially in this region, and as a young man I went to a lot of churches, has had the kind of support and care that Mike's given uh, to me. So I um, just want you guys to know that. It's really, really special, the kind of care that he gives to us young, up-and-coming pastors who still have a lot of work to do. So um, today, First John chapter 2, we're coming right up, but not quite to the end, <laughs> going right up to the edge and peeking over into chapter three. Um, and it, it's uh, it, the reason why I picked this Hebrew, this Hebrews passage was specifically for the phrase, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Also, because of the way this passage has been working with the way the, um, the, 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 way the Greek reads, the way it's um, amplification is the way he's writing, makes it really, really difficult to find references because we keep using references that uh, coincide with each other because we're kind of going in a circle and, and looking at the subject from a new aerial view. And, and at first this was challenging for me. And I even, I even texted Mike and I was, I said, um, amplification is a pain. <laughs> it's really a pain. It's really hard to, it's really hard to teach amplification because literally the last time I stood up here and spoke, he was saying, remain in the light. And today, next time I speak, He's saying, remain. <laughs> so it, like, it's that kind of circle and, and zooming in. And the cool thing is what I discovered today, the beauty of this style of teaching, this amplification is, um, and, and Mike responded something to the effect of it, it, it forces us to get out of our box and, and look for new ways to look at things, so, something along those lines. And it's absolutely true. By the time I got through this message, I, I saw something in the concept of remaining in the word and remaining in Christ that I didn't see before. And I had a moment last night that um, absolutely freaked me out in a good way. Like I, I was I was sitting at the table almost like shaking 
Uh, I was so excited. Kami probably thought something was wrong, um, but uh, it was really good. God, God showed me some really cool things. And so as we circle around this idea of remaining in the word, remaining in Christ, um, hopefully we'll see something new today. But this idea of remaining, um, it's difficult for us to take in. Now, the, the concept of remaining is simple. It's difficult for us to live out practically. And, and, there, and there's a reason why. Because our whole life is about progressing. Our whole existence is about progressing. And, and I'll use for example, um, uh, on a very shallow level, let's look at tech. Nobody wants their phone to be the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nobody does. Uh, <laughs> Photos used to look like photos of Bigfoot, you know, where it's all grainy and blurry, but trust me, he's there. It was like, that's what photos used to look like on cell phones, but all of them, that's what all the photos used to look like. You know, text messaging used to cost real money per message sent, and you couldn't just send to a group. You had to manually type the message and then type out the, the, the contact and send it and then type out the message again because there was no copy and paste, and type out the person's contact and send it to them if you wanted to communicate in a group. Nobody wants that. I don't want the cell phone I had when I was 14. I just, I just don't. Nobody wants their furniture to be the exact same yesterday, today, and forever. For example, I grew up with bright orange vinyl chairs. I don't know what decade they came from bright orange vinyl chairs that your legs would stick to on a hot summer day. Yeah, you'd get, we, we didn't actually call them chairs. We called them free leg waxes because you'd get, no, just, it was shocking. We had red legs all the time. I don't want those anymore. I, I just don't. We have in us a natural desire to see growth and development. We want this forward progress. And I see at least two ways that this desire is sort of activated, right? It sort of, sort of comes to fruition. And, and um, the first one is, is a good one. It's a recognition of the need for something better, right? We need the ability to easily text a group. We don't need, but we would like the ability, and it's a good, it's a good thing, to um, text a group without breaking the bank and, and without having to send 100 different messages, we would like to be able to get off chairs with all our skin intact. It's things we would like. The second, though, the second thing that I thought of, and there are certainly more reasons why we like growth, why we like progress. The second one, though, that I thought of is, is boredom. Is boredom. You see, my old phone used to excite me. It was the newest thing. It was exciting. Loved it. Uh, but not anymore. There's a new one. And it's better. And it takes better photos. They don't look like Bigfoot. I used to like the way I looked. Well, I didn't. Somebody at some point in time used to like the way they looked sitting in a bright orange vinyl chair, I guess. That's a thing. Um, so, yeah, somebody liked that once. It looked good. It was trendy, I'm sure. I assume. But now we're tired of the look. Don't want a bright orange chair. Want just a, a neutral, earthy colored chair. Anybody can sit in that isn't vinyl. So I picked out these two desires um, for change or growth because one is usually good and the other is usually bad. Identify the problem and fix it, usually good. It's a good thing. The board, usually either bad or probably leads to bad things, right? 
it's boredom with, with things kind of leads to bad things often. But the desire can be good. This desire for change and growth can be good. The reason why this comes to mind is because there are both good reasons and bad reasons that we might be tempted to not remain. There are things that might seem good. We have, we have good stimuli and negative stimuli that are trying to convince us to not remain in, in our lives where our bodies are used to this idea of forward progress, forward progress. In today's text, John reinforces his call to the church to remain in the word given to them from the beginning. He says from the beginning with the goal of remaining in God, the son and God, the father. So let's read our text together. You should have first John chapter two out. We're going to start in verse 24 and we're going to get almost to the end, almost to the end. So first John chapter two, verses 24 through 27 says, what you have heard from the beginning is to remain in you. If what you have heard from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the son and in the father. And this is the promise that he himself made to us eternal life. I have written these things to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you don't need anyone to teach you. Instead, his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie. Just as he has taught you, remain in him. Just as he has taught you, remain in him. So that first line, what you have heard from the beginning is to remain in you. So what's the beginning? Where are we starting? What is this? What did they hear from the beginning? Okay. What you have heard from the beginning is to remain in you. Um, that's answered in who he's writing to, which is the church, right? He's speaking to the church. So what they heard from the beginning, the inception of the church, the beginning of the church, the, the start of the church that we know. Now, of course, God has had his people throughout all time, of course, his people, but now the Gentiles being grafted in through Christ on the cross. So he's speaking to the church and this explosion of churches um, with us grafted in Gentiles, we get to be grafted in, uh, was the work of Jesus ministry, which was then carried on after his death, resurrection and ascension by his apostles, right? Of course, his apostles. So what the church in John's day had heard from the beginning was literally what the apostles themselves had spoken to them, had taught them from the beginning of their faith, which was the gospel account of their own personal, the apostles' own personal experiences, firsthand witnesses with Christ. They walked with them. I'm always going to bring our attention, every time I get up here, I'm going to bring our attention back to the fact that John walked with Jesus. He was there. He saw it. He heard it, literally felt it. He was there. Now we ourselves have heard the very exact same thing, but through the written word passed down from generation to generation told to us through the defenders of the faith. Another reason why I picked that Hebrews passage for this morning, everybody in here, was told the gospel by somebody. We all, all of us have a father in the faith. For a lot of us, it was our own father, <laughs> also our father in the faith. 
but all of us have somebody. Somebody preached, and they probably didn't think they were preaching. They probably just said it, but it was really they were preaching, proclaiming the gospel to us. That happened at some point for every single one of us. So my question to you guys, I want you guys to think through this with me. Because this message for me was so impactful because I took the time to go back in my mind. Do you guys remember the person that led you to Christ? Do you think about that? Do you remember the person that led you to Christ? Do you remember what that conversation felt like? What that did to you internally? Why you broke down to the point that you let go and accepted the free gift. Can you remember what that felt like? Try to think back with me. For me, there was a few things. Obviously, I was told the gospel by my parents while I was growing up from very, very young. But God used an elderly lady in children's ministry um, to grab my attention to the reality of how damaged and utterly lost I was by calling me a sinner, six years old. And she was right. Thank you, Jesus, for that old lady who I thought was just the crankiest. And, uh, you know, I, was, I don't even remember what I was doing, but I was doing something I knew I wasn't supposed to be doing. And she grabbed me and she says, son, you are a sinner. And that sin literally condemns you to hell. <laughs> I, if she was here, she would say, that's not exactly what I say. It was something to those effects. <laughs> you know? so like, Without God's grace, you're hopeless. I mean, that's basically what she did for me. And I remember at the time, homeschooled kid, very sheltered, being like, terrified. <laughs> the cool thing was, uh, she, you know, it's amazing. She doesn't even know. Probably. She probably has no idea that that's what happened. But what happened in that moment was I was radically changed in that I had this realization where even though it freaked me out, I realized she's right. She's right. I, I got it more from her for some reason, even though my parents, even though my parents have been telling me. And the beautiful thing is that God used my dad I have the coolest dad. I really do. Everybody has the coolest dad. But my, it's true about mine. Mine's the coolest dad. Um, to walk me through to how to accept Jesus' costly gift. And it was a costly gift. And, and my dad's the one who walked me through. And I remember, I remember, I remember being really scared. Because when I walked up, my dad was gutting fish. And, and I knew you, you can't stop dad when he's gutting fish. He's got a mission. He's got the knife. He's got the fish. He's got the bucket. He's got the guts. Don't interrupt me. I'm gutting fish. And I was terrified because I remember actually sitting there, seeing him with the fish and actually thinking, six-year-old me, what if I die before he finishes gutting fish? <laughs> terrified inside. Absolutely terrified. <laughs> I was so scared because I knew I couldn't stop. I knew I could not stop until I talked to him and asked him to walk me through it. And this is the only time in my life that I remember my dad immediately dropped the fish in the knife like it was like it was hot. Just down when I told him what I wanted. 
I don't know if he even remembers that day, but for me, it was life-changing. My dad was the one who led me into salvation, um, led me to Jesus for salvation. You know what I mean. And if today, if my dad had spoken to me like John is speaking to us now, if my dad had spoke to me like that, he might say, this realization in your heart right now of God's perfect righteousness and the state of your damaged being, remain in it. What do you feel right now? This understanding of your condition compared to God's condition, remain right here forever. And I know that's what he wants. He tells me all the time still. (laughs) He would say, don't ever forget what you were, what God is, and how he changed your entire eternity. And it meant so much to him that nothing else mattered in that moment. And he showed it. He lived it. You guys remember the moment you came to that realization. It bears going back to sometimes. Because I think if we don't remember, sometimes we forget to remain in it. There is, of course, more to what John is saying here. Um, There is more to remain in than just salvation. There's also sanctification. We were saved and we're not done. We're being sanctified as we go. Um, But he'll get to that in the next chapter. We're going to see sanctification. And because it's amplification, we're going to come around again. And we're going to look at this again. It'll it'll continue to cycle. But we're going to get to sanctification. Um, But the first thing that any believer hears told that it that starts their walk with the Lord is simply the gospel, which to spell it out plainly, because I have to remember that we're not all uh, always familiar with the gospel. We might have visitors. And so to spell the gospel out plainly, it is simply that we are sinners in desperate need of a savior, every single one of us, the promised savior who existing in the form of almighty God came to us in the form of a man. He became fully man and offered redemption uh, from our desperate situation through his death and sacrifice on the cross that whosoever, whosoever, no matter what, whosoever would believe in him would indeed have everlasting life and be redeemed. Just like that. That's what we heard to start this is the first time you're hearing that, I hope, I hope that starts for you now. So remain in that. Don't leave that truth. It will always be true. Every, this is crazy to think about, but every moment that we will spend in all of eternity with the creator will always be true because of this truth. This is where it all started for us. And these antichrists that John spoke about before and will speak about again, that have come to see, will try to change the gospel. So remain in the truth. Don't let go of that. Don't forget who you are. He continues in the second half of verse 24. If what you have heard from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the son and the father. So this blessed assurance that's been given, 
is that Jesus is mine. And Jesus is yours. Jesus is ours. He's for all of us. Not only that, but notice he says, you will remain in the Son and the Father, right? Jesus' goal wasn't just that, he would, uh, that we would have fellowship with him, not just, not just him, but that we would, uh, he would be the gateway to fellowship with, with um, gateway to fellowship in the uh, first and only perfect, complete fellowship that ever existed. This is a weird concept, but fellowship existed before we were created, and that was the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, three in one. They had perfect fellowship. And so Jesus being the gateway into that fellowship with the Holy Trinity, which is shared between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, which actually makes perfect sense since they are three in one, right? You can't logically get any of them without getting all of them because they're one. So you can't, you can't have perfect relationship with Jesus and not the Father, since they are one. I, I, every time I every time I try to explain the Trinity, um, or something about the Trinity, I feel like a kid trying to explain a platypus. <laughs> like, well, you see, it's basically a poisonous beaver duck th- uh, fish thing. You know, like, in an odd way, the platypus is a good representation of the Trinity. <laughs> it's, it's like it's like three different things, you know. Poisonous beaver duck fish. (laughs) Oh, man. But he said God the Son, and he said God the Father. Notice that someone is missing from the promise. Who's missing? He says that you'll remain in the Son and the Father, but what about the Holy Spirit? He didn't mention the Holy Spirit. Here's the cool thing. This is what blew my mind last night. He's going to cover that. He's going to cover that. And it's so cool. It's so cool. But we have to get there first. So there's your tease. First, verse 25, John reminds us of the promise that Jesus gave us. Uh, Verse 25, and this is the promise that he himself made to us, which is eternal life. Now, John is making claims. He's out here spitting fire, making claims. He says that we've been promised eternal life from an all-powerful God. It's a big claim. Now, where would he have heard that from? Where would John have heard that he is himself promised eternal life and that we are also promised eternal life? Well, we can hear about it in John 10. 27 through 30, where Jesus speaking says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. See, he said it. He said the thing. He did it. Jesus said it. And they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. Woo. Let's go. He's greater than all. That's everyone. Uh, So no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And I and the Father are one. John heard this from Jesus. From God himself. If your March Madness bracket fell apart this year, 
because he didn't pick Jesus. <laughs> Jesus always wins, so that's, yeah. This morning, I tried to take us back to the start of our faith because that's what John said at the beginning. I built up excitement about Jesus, or at least tried to, and just how uncontainably awesome he is because of what John says next in, in verses 26. Verse 26. I have written these things to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. You see, I want to be and to fellowship with believers who are as protective of Jesus and his truths as a Marvel fan is about superhero movies. And if you don't know what I mean, uh, um, go tell a Marvel fan that your favorite Avenger is Batman. And, <laughs> and watch the, this is DC, DC, you know, like the, the freak out, the, he's not an Avenger. <laughs> Watch the freak out. I, w I want to be that guy about Jesus and his truth. And, I want, <laughs> I, and I, I want us all to be that guy about Jesus and his truth. There are people who are so passionate about things that you can see their eyes dilate when you say something incorrect or heinous about such things. This letter was, was written because there are some that are trying to prevent the church from remaining in the Son and Father. And, and the way they do that makes sense. They do it by deceiving the church away from the scriptures, away from the gospels on a very serious note. On a strategic level. If you want to pull the church away from the Father and from the Son, first pull the church away from the Word and the truth contained within it. Get off of the truth and you take the church away from God. That makes my sirens ring all the time now because, boy, are we surrounded by deception. Okay, it's time, I teased it, we would talk about why the Holy Spirit was missing when John said that remaining in the Word would cause us to remain in the Son and in the Father. Ah, as for you, verse 27, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. And you don't need anyone to teach you. Instead, his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie. Just as it has taught you, remain in him. Did you guys see it? While he has asked us to remain in him, he is already right now remaining in us. I don't always remain in him. If you want to look at an overall, I've always loved the Lord and sought after the Lord. I've wandered, strayed. I don't always remain in him. But just as he has always been doing all throughout scriptural history, from the very beginning 
of creation. He is the one maintaining the covenant. He says, remain in me. I am already remaining in you. I'm right there. He's not standing back after the job is done. Jesus came to earth, finished the work. He's not calling us to just come to him. He is also faithfully right there. He came to us and never left. And if you haven't ever strayed from the Lord to the point where you had to come to the realization that that was on you and that you strayed and that maybe even you weren't necessarily turning your back on God, but that you knew you were in a wrong spot, that your joy had been depleted for whatever reason, that you had let the world's troubles come in and dampen that light to drag you down. If you've never experienced that, maybe you're not feeling what I'm feeling. The reason why the Holy Spirit was missing in that promise that we would get to remain in Jesus and and, and the Father is because the Holy Spirit's already there remaining with us now. He's given us a piece of himself, a piece of that perfect relationship right now. I had this realization as I was in in the shower last night. Shower thoughts. Yep, shower thoughts. And a song came on. I have this waterproof Bluetooth speaker I keep in the shower. And a song came on that we sing here every now and then. It's called Thank You, Jesus. And it um, it was it was instrumental in the way God brought me into dedicating my life to ministry. Um, just because in a worship set, I would just sometimes I think through the words. I don't sing them. I think through the words. And there's the part in the song um, says, "You have called me higher. You have called me higher." And um, I just remember being radically reminded in the shower last night of of what it felt like at the moment that God called me into ministry, which is what pulled my mind back to the moment that God called me to himself originally. We've been called higher now. And it's our connection to that moment he radically changed us that invigorates us, that fires us up, that puts the smile. I don't know if you notice, this is a genuine smile. I've had all night last night, all day today, that puts that there is that realization. And then with that energy, that leads me right into, he's called me higher. We're going into sanctification. Just wait till next week. We're moving right into that. I want to read to you the lyrics of a, of a different song, actually, another song that we sing here. That um, It's one of the first songs I remember a Christian, after he became the worship director, bringing in, um, bringing this song into rotation. And um, I think it was at a youth camp. It's the first time I heard it. And um, just thinking through the mindset of God being right here, remaining with us right now, brought new light to this worship song. And I want you guys to see these words with this passage of text in mind so that next time we see this song, maybe it's it's changed for you the way it's changed for me. So I'm going to put it up on the screen and it's kind of lengthy, but I'm going to read through this really quick for you guys. Um, And actually, I'll have the worship team come on up while I'm doing this. 
as I'm closing out. Um, this is from John Mark McMillan. There is not a man or a beast, nothing on the land or underneath. Oh, nothing that could ever come between the love you have for me. I could lay my head in Sheol. I could make my bed at the bottom of the darkness deep. Oh, but there is not a place I could escape you. Your heart won't stop coming after me. There is not an angel of the stars. There is not a devil in the dark. Oh, nothing that could change the way you are. The love you have for me. Sometimes, and I actually read there was a term for this. Um, sometimes we pastors dealing with always looking for what's wrong, how do I fix it, can get into what they call like a, a pastor's depression. Pastor's depression. Or it starts to weigh heavy on you because you're always looking for the issues so you can try to fix it. And then you miss the joy. You miss the joy. And I'll be honest with you guys this morning. I hope some of you um, are feeling what I'm feeling because this is the first time in a, in a few weeks where I realized that I've been letting that weight on my shoulders. And God just busted this joy through. Just so much encouragement and excitement. He's remaining right there. He's not letting us go. Let's pray. Lord, you are so, so good. So good. And you're here right now. Spread throughout this whole body of incredible people I get to call brothers and sisters. I pray that this message would, would encourage any hearer who's feeling down as much as it's encouraged me. These are your words, your truth, your promise. You've brought us in. You have anointed us with your Holy Spirit, and you're never going to forsake us. You're so, so good. We absolutely love you, and I pray that you are immensely honored by our worship this morning. That we would, we would shout your name from this building. Man, you're so worthy. I ask this all in your name. Amen.